Hello and welcome to the Northern Miner Podcast. My name is Adrian Pocabelli. Here we are, December 14th. I hope you have your gifts. My main gift that I got from my girlfriend, I think is lost in the mail. You know, I made the mistake that when they say, when you're not going to be home, do you want it to be delivered to a kiosk? And of course, I always take that option because I never know when they're coming. And now it's in, you know, purgatory. So I may have to buy another gift and return that one. Got a feel for the shopkeepers in that instance, but so it goes. So I hope you got your Christmas shopping in order. It is getting late. So if you do find yourself in a situation where you are late, you can always subscribe to the Northern Miner podcast at northernminer.com slash subscribe, and you can get a one-year trial and newspaper or digital or both. So do not miss that. We have an exciting show coming up. We are talking to Kendra Johnston from AME, and she is with Zach Flood, who is president and CEO of Knorland Minerals, and they discuss the AME Roundup Conference, which is, according to Kendra, the preeminent exploration conference in the world, and that is happening at the end of January and the beginning of February in Vancouver. So we get a nice preview of what you can expect. And particularly if you are a student, you do want to listen to this because there is a lot of opportunity out there. We've been hearing it for a couple of years now, how difficult it is to get talent in the mining industry. As Zach said, it's more like the student or the newcomer, the potential employee can choose really where they want to work right now. It's that serious. So a wonderful way to start a career, isn't it? And it also sounds like you can move up quickly through the ranks. And so for all those enterprising people that maybe want to move you know, higher into these executive positions, what I would do if I were you is I would start learning management, You know, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. You could argue is management 101. Start with that. Do a little Brian Tracy, you know, the original life coach. I used to laugh at that stuff, life coaching. But really what it is, is a degree in management, a real life degree in management. I can't recommend that stuff enough. Any person I know that's having a hard time or depressed or anything, go find Brian Tracy products. It's not for everybody. Canadian, actually, uh, I think from Edmonton, uh, but made it huge in the U.S. like back in the 70s. And he's still alive, and so we wish him well, the great Brian Tracy. So anyway, so there's your little tip from the Northern Miner podcast. As we enter this holiday season, quick look. I was just looking at stocks, you know. It's pretty interesting to compare the 52-week, you know. How are we doing after a year in stocks? And I thought we could just quickly touch on a few. Got a feel for Barrick. I mean, Barrick set 52 weeks ago. It was at $22.44, and now it's at $17.97. Not easy in the gold market. I mean, Newmont's not that different. A year ago, it was at $57, and now is at $57. Franco, Nevada, you know, a pretty well-positioned company. A year ago, $131.74. Now, $132.58. You know, Agnico Eagle is actually down $89.52 weeks ago. Now, $62.51. So pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, the copper miners have fared better. We look at Freeport, 
A year ago, it was at $24.39. Now, Freeport is at $37.63. So far better. I am back. I don't know if you heard that. There was a ring at the door, of course. As soon as you start the podcast, a gift has arrived. It's not the present that we were discussing, but it's another one. It's always good to order a few when you are buying for a loved one. Now, back to where we were. So the copper miners have done a little bit better. You know, we look at tech. Now, look at this. Okay, $17.73 a year ago. Now, $27.22. Okay, that's pretty good. So all to say, this fits into our whole narrative that really copper has been the place to be this year over the precious metals. And while we're on it, let's just quickly, quickly look at a couple of silver stocks. We have Hecla, you know, $5 a year ago, today, $4.99. And what's interesting about that is at one point this year, it was at over $9, you know, almost double. So you see the volatility. It's kind of like crypto. I mean, it does attract a lot of the same people. Now, Let's just look if we can find Fortuna, one of my bellwethers. And a year ago, now this is a completely different chart. A year ago was at $7.99. And now is at $4.11, like a steady, you know, after a little peak at the beginning of the year at $12 has fallen all the way to, you know, the whole year down to $4.13. Matter of fact, and meanwhile, the uranium stocks, as we know, have all done well. They're down a little bit from where they were, but overall looking pretty good. So small year in review. And while we're here, we'll just do a quick checkup on the 10-year bond. It's at 1.434%. And what's interesting about this, since we've started tracking this about four months ago, five months ago, it hasn't done anything. Now, if we go to our notes here, you know, we have actually four or five months of prices. And you know what it was five months ago? 1.55%. And then the following weeks, it was like 1.48, 1.42. Went all the way down to 1.19. And then it went all the way up to 1.6. And now it's at 1.42. So really, it's range-bound. It hasn't done anything. And there is all this talk of inflation, but we're not really seeing it in the 10-year bond, which is interesting. Because one would think that you would start to see it. We're back to this idea that the bond market is not buying this inflation narrative, just as the Fed is saying, okay, we're not going to use the word transitory anymore. Transitory is out the window. So, you know, I think a really difficult time in the market, like to me, it's a wait and see time. Don't make any big moves is sort of my thing. Maybe you optimize your portfolio for tax selling and all that sort of thing. And I think a lot of people are. I think that's what's going on. I think people have had across assets, whether you're in stocks or or crypto or whatever, I think people have had amongst the best years of their lives. And so I think there is some tax optimization because people have made a lot of money. And the, all these hedge fund managers are, you know, they want to kind of end the year on a positive note I think that's where we are. I think it's kind of a wait and see. Maybe at the end of the month, we'll have some action. Other than that, it's just wait and see and let this let the market digest, really, these massive gains for the year. And with that, if you want to find us online, you can find us at northernminer.com. You can find us on Twitter at Northern Miner and on Instagram at The Northern Miner and on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. 
And wherever podcasts are available, including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And with that, let's turn to the news. And turning to the website, we had another merger and acquisition. Kinross Gold to acquire Great Bear Resources for $1.8 billion. So shareholders of Great Bear have done pretty well this year. Despite Naimul Karim, a new writer at the Northern Miner, and it says here, gold miner Kinross Gold is acquiring junior explorer Great Bear Resources for $1.8 billion Canadian in order to get its hands on the Junior's flagship Dixie Gold Project in northwestern Ontario, one of the most important gold discoveries in Canada's history. And I tell you, we've been following Great Bear. We've had several stories over the years, so maybe not a huge surprise for Northern Miner readers. And we have a quote from Paul Rollinson, Kinross Gold CEO, who told analysts and investors on a conference call, quote, we have been looking at this asset since 2018. The exploration results to date from over 700 holes and 340 kilometers of drilling suggests a prolific gold system that remains unconstrained and open to extension, with over 80% of the property still unexplored. He continues, over the past several years, we have reviewed hundreds of opportunities, including every opportunity in Canada, and we believe this is an excellent transaction for our shareholders. Now is the time to bring it into our portfolio. And we also have a statement from Chris Taylor, Great Bear Resources President and CEO, who said on a conference call, quote, Great Bear shareholders will now be in a unique position to benefit from the potential of the top tier Dixie project under one company and will maintain strong exposure to the project through their Kinross shares. So you can read all the details on the project on northernminer.com. Continuing on, we have another story from Naimul Karim. Improved interest in gold among U.S. investors, a report by BMO, in a, quote, significant shift in sentiment in the United States this week, investors appeared to be more interested in gold, according to BMO Capital Markets mining analyst Jackie Przbilowski. The rise in interest was driven by comments from U.S. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell on the need to accelerate the central bank's tapering of bond purchases to tackle risks posed by the new COVID variant, Omicron, and manage an already heated economy she wrote in a research note to clients. But the analyst also cautioned that it is unclear whether the shift in sentiment will benefit gold equities. Quote, the same inflation fears that are driving Fed commentary and boy the optimism around gold can also drag on gold equities because inflationary pressures risk eroding miners' profit margins. End quote. So if you saw the interview that Anthony Vaccaro did with Mark Bristow, you'll see how Mark Bristow seemed to be talking how the gold market had reached a top. But I think what he meant was in terms of margins, he was definitely concerned about the inflation that was current and in the pipeline. So this would dovetail with that sentiment from Mark Bristow. Continuing on, she said, quote, the commentary for miners has shifted from a warning in July, August of transitory inflation to guidance updates and commentary that suggests a more permanent cost pressure, end quote, pointing to recent updates from Newmont Mining and Kinross Gold about the need for higher operation expenses and capital expenditure. Cost inflation has also brought attention back to royalty and streamers, Przbilowski said, with Franco Nevada generating interest since it has less risk of being impacted from the proposed OECD global minimum tax rate of 15%. Quote, Franco Nevada and other firms with a higher proportion of earnings from royalties versus streams 
generally already pay some taxes and they would be less affected by a minimum tax. Interesting. So interest in gold and gold miners to varying degrees. Continuing on, an update on Rio Tinto and Oyutolgoy. And it says here that Rio Tinto will write off $2.3 billion Oyutolgoy loan to Mongolia. Now, the Mongolian government was upset with Rio Tinto, saying that they had spent way too much money, from what I understand. This is by Cecilia Jamazmi. So here's an update. Rio Tinto will cancel a $2.3 billion debt owed by Mongolia as part of the government's share of the development costs for the giant Oyutolgoy copper gold mine, the country's prime minister said. $2.3 billion debt. So Rio Tinto is eating the debt. According to a letter from the company to Prime Minister Oyun Erdin Lufsanamulsrai, posted on the government of Mongolia's website, Rio Tinto has agreed to write off the debt, conduct an independent audit into the financing of the project's underground expansion, and improve governance. The concession, part of a wider offer to end tensions with Mongolia over the underground expansion of Oyutolgoy, would speed up the timeline for when the country can start receiving dividends, the letter said. Rio Tinto's five-point proposal includes terminating the project's controversial financing agreement and covering the additional investment until the start of production, which is now expected in the first half of 2023. It also means that Erdenes Oyutolgoy, the state-owned company that holds the government's equity in the project, won't incur additional debt after operations begin at the underground section. And we have a quote from Rio Tinto CEO Jacob Stausholm, and he says, quote, the above decisions were difficult to make and represent our final offer. The investors are transferring significant value to Mongolia, which we believe will be the basis for a long-term trusting partnership. So a big bet by Rio Tinto, but, you know, I don't know if they have much choice. And, you know, these companies, they do rake in billions and billions of dollars. It is a huge amount, though, $2.3 billion. Moving on. Strong EV sales will buoy battery metal prices next year. And this is also by Naimul Karim. Electric vehicle sales have surged nearly 90% so far this year and will likely jump by 40% year on year in 2022. Economist Patricia Moore tells the Northern Miner, former vice president of Scotiabank and now independent analyst and founder of the publication Critical Metals for a Sustainable World, expects global EV sales will reach 5.7 million units by the end of this year up from 3 million in 2020, and says she, quote, wouldn't be surprised if they totaled 7 or 8 million units in 2022. And sales of China's new energy vehicle, a category that includes different kinds of EVs, soared up to 2.4 million units in the first eight months of 2021, 189% year-on-year increase. And EV sales in Europe reached 1.2 million units in the third quarter. In terms of market share, they made up 18.9% of all passenger car sales, up from 9.9% market share in the third quarter of 2020. So there's a pretty rapid uptake in EVs. Turning to the U.S., where EVs have a significantly lower market share of the total passenger car market, it only rose 3.7% up from 2% in the 12 months of last year. And that's electric cars and light trucks. The market share only increased by 3.7% this year and 2% last year. So the U.S. is definitely dragging its heels compared to the rest of the world. And Moore says, quote, what this tells you is there is indeed a transition underway. An average EV uses roughly about four times more copper than an ordinary combustion engine. 
end quote. She said, adding that large car makers like Ford and General Motors have, quote, quite extraordinary, end quote, plans to roll out more EVs. Moore expects the copper price to average $4.20 per pound next year, down slightly from $4.25 per pound in 2021, while nickel will rise to an average of $9.25 per pound in 2022, up from an average of $8.40 per pound this year. The biggest winner in terms of price appreciation in 2021, however, have been the rare earth elements, and in particular, the light REEs, neodymium and prosodymium, and the heavy REE dysprosium, all of which are used in EVs. And remember, this stuff is all used for magnets, from what I understand in our last episode. As an example, Moore noted that the price of neodymium hit $125,255 per ton in November. On December 8th, this price spiked to $142,000 per ton, a 79% increase from a year ago, and the highest since May 11, 2021. So a 79% increase from a year ago. But, you know, we've had a few metals do that. Like, I mean, tin has definitely, I think, made a 100% move. And we have a quote from Patricia Moore, quote, the reason why heavy rare earth metals have done well is because most of it is supplied to China through Myanmar, and that has become constrained because of the military coup in Myanmar. The light rare earth metal performance has to do with strengths of EV sales. Now, before we go, we do have a story by Jeffrey Christian and Thomas Nadrowski showing some skepticism, or he's pointing out that there's going to be a lot of difficulty to actually make this transition to clean energy. And that taking a couple of highlights out of here, that the move is far too slow to be meaningful and that real constraints will slow the move. So you can read Jeffrey Christian's take on northernminer.com, real world constraints to rapid move toward clean energy technologies. Those are your news stories. Now let's take a look at metal prices. Turning to metal prices, we'd like to thank our friends at mining.com slash markets for providing us with these prices each and every week. And on November 14th, gold is trading at $1,783.33 per ounce. That's $2 higher than last week. Silver is trading at $22.25 per ounce. That is 19 cents lower than last week. Platinum is trading at $933.42 per ounce. That is $20 lower than last week. And palladium is $180 lower at $1,683.40 per ounce. So palladium is almost at prices we haven't seen for two years. So pretty interesting to see that. Turning to our industrial metals, copper is trading at $4.33 per pound. That is a penny higher than last week. Aluminum is trading a penny lower at $1.19 per pound. Lead is two cents higher at $1.03 per pound. Nickel is 15 cents lower at $9.05 per pound. Tin is two cents lower at $18.21 per pound. Cobalt is $1.05 higher at $31.42 per pound. And zinc is unchanged at $1.51 per pound. So what do we see? Precious metals down 
and industrial metals consolidating, holding steady. If anything, I think it's remarkable how well the industrial metals are doing on the news of potential quote-unquote tightening from the Fed. It's almost like the precious metals are being affected by the Fed news, but the industrial metals are not. My two cents over here, and those are your metal prices. And coming up, we have Kendra Johnston, President and CEO of the Association for Mineral Exploration, and Zach Flood, President and CEO of Knorland Minerals. We go in depth on what's happening at this year's AME Roundup, which is happening in Vancouver at the end of January, and everything that'll take place, the opportunities for young people, and also the opportunity for everybody else to go and meet other people who are into exploration. This is the preeminent conference, according to Kendra. I don't doubt it. It has been a major touchstone on the mining calendar ever since I've been working at the Northern Miner since 2012. I hope you enjoy the discussion, and we will see you on the other side. Joining me today, I'm pleased to welcome Kendra Johnston, President and CEO of AME, and Zach Flood, President, CEO, and Director of Knorland Minerals. Kendra and Zach, welcome to the program. Thanks, Adrian. It's great to be here. Thank you, Adrian. Ever since I started working at the Northern Miner, there has been an event in January, the AME Roundup event. Kendra, you've been in with the organization. You're the President and CEO. What's going to happen at this year's AME Roundup in 2022? Yeah, so this is our 39th year doing our annual Roundup conference. And like most years, we're going back this year to our our regular in-person conference, which is so great. We're really excited after the last 18 months to uh, get everybody back together and and see people in person and and have those uh, face-to-face conversations when we can. But we're also embracing the future and our learnings from last year's Roundup where we were entirely virtual and bringing that online version into the main conference. So we really see that as the, the future direction of Roundup where we have both the online and the in-person components of Roundup. So letting people participate in the conference however they want and from wherever they want. Uh, Certainly encouraging people to come in person if they can, but uh, wanting to make sure that we're looking after all of our audiences wherever they happen to be. Let's say someone's never heard of AME Roundup. Like, what do you tell people that this conference is about? Is it mineral exploration? Is is it about Canadian-focused? Is it global? What exactly is this conference about? What is it trying to do? Yes, we are the world-leading mineral exploration conference, um, the largest globally. And we're really a place where the community comes to meet. It's a place where deals are made, where talent is found and where trends are set for the year. And really being in in that January space allows us to look back over the past year uh, absorb all of our learnings and then look to the future of, you know, what our summer field work is going to look like and make sure that we have the right people in place and, and follow wherever the commodity markets are, are telling us to go. But it really is a place to bring everyone together. And it's, you know, a lot of the content is focused on, on BC and Canada, but certainly a global audience because we're a center of excellence here in, in British Columbia. And we like to, you know, not only bring people into BC to see what we're doing, but uh, we also export a lot of our knowledge right around the world. And that gives us a lot of insight into projects that are happening elsewhere. Okay, excellent. And finally, before I just ask Zach what he's going to do there, Kendra, it's in Vancouver, I assume. And what, what dates is it exactly? 
It is in Vancouver. It's at the Vancouver Convention Center from January 31st, 2022 through to February 3rd. Okay, excellent. So, Zach, you are coming as president and CEO of Knorland Minerals. What do you hope to do there? Are you going to have a booth? What are you up to? This year, we're um, we're in the core shop, which is always fun because we got to showcase some of our drill core. And, and in this instance, it's from a, a discovery that we made last year up in northern Quebec. So it's pretty exciting. Everyone loves to see a new discovery and and actually get to hold the hold the rocks and and look at them with a hand lens. So you know, we're at Roundup every year. This is the first year that we're actually going to be exhibiting something. We just went public in January of this year, so it's a uh, Kind of a new company, new discovery, and yeah, we look forward to kind of showing off what we what we have there. Tell us about your project. So you are Knorland Minerals, and so what is the name of your project? Where is it based? Is it a gold project? Is it a copper project? Yeah, so that, that particular project I was just talking about is in northern Quebec. It's called the Frotep Project. It's a joint venture with Sumitomo Metal Mining, but Kennerland really is all over North America, mainly Canada and Alaska. But our business model is really project generation and, and kind of green fields or earlier stage exploration, really looking for, for new discoveries. Yeah, we've got a lot of focus in Quebec, also Ontario. Manitoba, some interest in BC as well, and uh, and and also Alaska has been a huge focus for us. So, kind of spread out all over the place. And our our business model has always been to kind of try to bring in partners to fund exploration, sort of that project generation direction. So yeah, conferences again like Roundup are, are super important for us. Roundup's a great place for us to you know talk to talk to other major mining companies about projects that we have available for for option. And and yeah, we've done a number of deals that have kind of either the seeds been planted at Roundup or, or even deals have been completed at Roundup. So it's a great conference to, to partake in every year. Excellent. And how do you see the uh, the exploration sort of landscape? Like there's been a lot of M&A, I'd say, in the mining sector in the last year or so. How do you see it? Do you think it's like a healthy market, so to speak? I mean, you know, gold and silver have just been sort of sitting around for the last year, but the industrial metals sure have taken off. What's your sense of the, you know, the overall market and exploration? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There's, there's some, there's some huge positives. There's been a lot of M&A this year, as you mentioned, you know, especially in Canada, there was Agnico like acquired Hope Bay through TMAC there. And then then they acquired Kirkland Lake, Chad Detour Gold, Newmont acquired GT up in the Golden Triangle and uh, New Crested Bar Predium. And then recently we see Ken Ross make a bid for Great Bear. And there's this bidding war with, for Noron between Wailu and BHP. So there's a huge amount of activity. Uh, there's been a lot of money raised in the sector. But yeah, the share prices have been sort of lackluster, you know, on a lot of these juniors. So that's that's been the difficult part is people have been been exploring heavily and putting out good results, but not getting a lot of reaction in the in the market, which is it's tough to see. But I think uh, in general we're heading in the right direction, and and I'm still coming off of uh, you know the prolonged bear market that we all kind of survived through. Okay, excellent. And Kendra, how does a company get involved with AMEBC? I guess I have a two part question. Like, how, how do people become involved with AMEBC? And what do you hope that they achieve as companies? Like, what do you tell companies that they can accomplish at AMEBC? Great question. I, I will get to that in a minute. I just want to touch a little bit on on the last question. We know that there have been six point two billion dollars raised this year across all of the junior extractive uh, companies, 
and 4.8 billion was done in flow through. So I bring that up just to really touch on the importance of, of flow through. And that's one of the main things that, that AME really does. That's one of our purposes is to make sure that we're advocating on behalf of uh, the mineral exploration industry and fighting for some of these things that are like tax credits and, and flow through, which really helps us to support some of our members like Norland, who, you know, are based in British Columbia. They are, you know, working here on a day-to-day basis from an office perspective, but many of their projects are, are located elsewhere. So uh, in relation to a lot of the other advocacy work that we do, which is for things like public geoscience and, um, you know, we're looking at a, a potential mineral exploration fund that would be focused on BC projects right now, um, which is very much BC-based. So it's nice to sort of tie in some of those advocacy efforts that are more uh, national and, and focused on our members here. So most of our members really are exposed to AME through Roundup. They come to Roundup to, to learn, to engage, to meet with their colleagues each and every year. And then they dive a little bit deeper into what we do in the community that we've built around ourselves to to really help throughout the year to keep those folks connected. And, and again, I go back to our one of our main purposes is really it's twofold. One is education and networking. The other is really that advocacy work and the connection that we have with federal, provincial, municipal, and uh, Indigenous government. So try really hard to keep those connections and uh, to the benefit of all of our members. Excellent. One of the kind of features of Amy Roundup is discovering talent. So how do you facilitate that? Like, do you have student sessions? Because, you know, it's a typical thing where let's say you're a student and you show up to these things, it's not necessarily always easy or you don't necessarily know what to do in order to say, pitch these, you know, CEOs of these smaller or bigger companies to say that you want to do something. Uh, What are you doing to sort of help that process? Yeah. So actually Zach and I both found our first jobs through Roundup and have been through that experience. And it's really not an easy experience to show up at a conference with a, you know, you expect everybody to be there in suits and you're not really sure what you're going to do. You've got your backpack on as a student. It's completely uh, seemingly overwhelming. And and I think, you know, Zach and I probably both will attest to the fact that that's not what it's like at all. Yes, there are people in suits at Roundup, but there's just as many people who are in jeans and casual and, you know, the heart of us, we're all geologists and we're more comfortable in our jeans than we are in our suits. So, you know, we, we more than welcome students to come to Roundup with their backpacks on and just have a chat about whatever it is that you're curious about uh, with folks around the conference. And that can be anybody who's in the core shack. You can walk up and just say, hey, what kind of rock is this? And you'll be in an hour long conversation. It's, it really is that <laughs> yeah. easy sometimes. Um, but we have a lot of programming focused on students. So uh, Roundup itself, we do a student industry networking night where we bring industry who is really interested in chatting with students. They have jobs, they're looking for talent, and that's really a great place to bring people together. We also do a student-focused uh, short course, which is free to attend for students, and it goes over a really high level of what is involved in industry. So things like the role of a geophysicist versus the role of the assay lab, the role of the regulators, what a permit looks like, all those things that you sort of touch on in school, but you don't actually learn what role they play in industry, I suppose. And then throughout the year, we also run a mentorship program for our students, connect them one-on-one with an industry person and, and have them meet regularly on a monthly basis. 
Um, and then we also work with uh, elementary school kids and high school um, school kids through the Minerals Ed program. So we really encourage students at, at every age to look at rocks to, you know, that five-year-old who's got the rock collection and try to foster that uh, curiosity and interest uh, all the way through high school and into university until they become active members of our um, of our industry and our community. Right. So it's never too early is what you're saying uh, for it, Never and if I, Every so, kid has a rock collection at some point in their lives. Right. So if I had kids, uh, do they get in free? Or if I had a 12-year-old, could I bring them? How you can certainly bring them to Roundup. We, we absolutely encourage that. We don't have too many kids other than within their actual uh, minerals ed program. So uh, if you had a 12-year-old at that age, we'd probably try to coordinate that with minerals ed and, and have them take part in that program. But certainly, you know, new mothers, new fathers with infants that, you know, are wanting to come and take part, we certainly encourage them to come and bring their kids and, you know, certainly let them in with, with their parents, no problem. Okay, excellent. And Zach, just on the talent front, I, I hear a lot about the difficulty companies have in finding talent. I was wondering, I don't know, either on, a, on, a, on your company's level or bigger picture, just how you see the industry, like what's your experience with that? And what do you see? Is everybody right that in a sense, it's hard to find people for mining? Yeah, that, that, no, it, it definitely is difficult. I think in our grad class over in, at, at, at UVic, you know, there's like 12 people or something. So there's, you know, and there's a, there's a lot, a lot more jobs than that that need to be filled. Obviously, obviously UBC is going to be bigger in, in Vancouver and there's probably more students from that showing up at, at, at Roundup. But, um, but certainly in a good year, uh, it's not so much the, you know, the students are looking for jobs, but the, the companies are looking for talent and for people to hire, whether it's, you know, depending on what the role is, it could be, it could be anything from, you know, pretty junior roles, but even, you know, there's a big gap in talent and, and, and more senior roles for, you know, VPX and, and all these jobs that, uh, that we need to fill the pipeline in the companies to be able to go out and, and complete the exploration that's needed to be done. And it's, it's difficult finding experience too. There's, there's always been this gap and, and a, a part of the reason is because, you know, the industry is not stable all the time you'll go through big downturns and a lot of people that we went to school with you know aren't in the industry anymore so it's uh you lose a lot of talent in the downturns and then once it turns up you know there's not enough people out there so it's definitely a great opportunity for people especially right now i think with with the industry kind of firing on all cylinders on that on that front for students to come to round up and and meet the companies and kind of actually probably you know pick pick and choose uh where they want to work and who they want to work with um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Like that, and it also sounds like the kind of landscape where you could probably move up pretty fast too, uh, with all the opportunities. Yeah, no, definitely. There's, yeah, that's always always been an issue. You know, even even Kenrowin struggled to find find people to fill roles in the field, and I've I have people, my peers, calling me asking me if I know anyone who can you know, core log or map or soil sample. And yeah, so it's a, a lot of opportunity. Those jobs are really well-paying too most of the time. So I think it's a great industry to be in. Absolutely, uh, Roundup's where it all begins, for sure. You learn so much about the industry and, and who's out there and what's going on in different geographies across Canada, but also the world, you know, and, and you can really get a feel for, for what the industry is like by going Roundup and experiencing also the geoscience side of it too. There's great technical talks and uh, there's industry talks, and that's yeah, uh, it's a really good environment if you're if you're trying to trying to learn about this industry. 
Kendra, just on that note, who is showing up? Do you guys have feature presentations? What can one expect when one attends AME Roundup this year? Yeah, there are a couple of really exciting things happening uh, this year at Roundup and me with my geologist hat on. The, one of the most exciting pieces is that we have daylight in the core shock for the first time, which sounds like a really small thing, but uh, being able to see the rocks in, in real daylight is a, a really exciting thing. So that's a big one. We also have uh, this year is the 10th anniversary of the gathering place. So we have a stage where uh, industry and Indigenous nations come and meet and talk about their projects. And uh, that's it's a really important milestone, I think, to recognize that we've had that uh, as part of the conference now for a quarter of our history, which is exciting. And then on the keynote speaker side of things, uh, our conference keynote this year is Christine St. Clair, of course, uh, the greatest soccer player of all time. So really excited to uh, to have her. She's local to Vancouver and uh, interested to see sort of how she ties in mineral exploration to her career and how it's impacted her in her life. We've got IBM, we've got Artemis Gold, and uh, a variety of others. And, you know, to Zach's point, there is some amazing geoscience content that's, uh, that's given out every year at Roundup and new research, new thoughts, new ideas from our poster session uh, all the way through to the, the lecture hall. So really looking forward to Roundup this year. And again, just having people back in person to, to hear that content is uh, going to be really exciting in itself. Yeah, it sounds like if you're in the mining business or a geology uh, student, it sounds like this is definitely something you don't want to miss. If people want to attend then, uh, should they go to the AME Roundup website? And could you tell us what the website is? Yeah, if you go to amebc.ca, you'll be able to find the Roundup link there. It's front and center on the homepage. Click the registration button and uh, come on out and join us. And again, it's January 31st through to February 3rd, 2022. Okay, excellent. And Zach, if people want to find out more about Canorland Minerals, where would they go? Uh, yeah, we have a website, canorlandminerals.com, and uh, lots of cool stuff to check out on there, too. We're a really technically focused team, so a lot of interesting stuff on geology and exploration. But uh, yeah, so feel free to reach out anytime if anyone has any questions. Excellent. Kendra Johnston, President and CEO of AME, and Zach Flood, President and CEO of Knorland Minerals, thank you for joining us on the Northern Miner Podcast. Uh, thanks, Adrian. Great to be here. Thank you, Adrian. But don't miss our forecast and outlooks issue, which is coming out this week. And you will read all sorts of awesome forecasts from some of the top leading minds in the industry. If you want to help out the podcast, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast directory and share it with your friends. Until next week, take care.